Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Well, today's a special day. It's Tuesday, and on the Employment Matters podcast, that means Travel Tuesday, where each week we get the chance to dial in our members from all around the world, and they share with us important things we need to know about doing business in their jurisdiction. Today, we're going to be learning more about doing business in El Salvador. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show Fernando Ferrar, an associate at BLP. Fernando, I'm so glad to have you on today's broadcast. Let's get started. So tell me a little bit, Fernando, about the general overview of El Salvador. What is the economy, the population, a little about the demographics, and anything else you think is important? Yes, of course, Peter. Thank you for having me. The first thing to know about El Salvador, we are a country in Central America. We are actually the smallest country in Central America with just a little bit above of 21,000 square kilometers. And we have a population of approximately six and a half million. It will be soon <laughs> the lowest population in Central America, not quite right now. Uh, the capital is San Salvador, and it is also the largest city. And as most of you know, our official language is Spanish. And our official currency, that is uh, something quite relevant, is the US dollar. And also Bitcoin, which is not used at all in most commerce and finance, but it, it is, you know, something to, to have in mind. We are a presidential republic, like most countries in Latin America. And we have three main branches of power, you know, we have executive, legislative, and judicial. Well, let's talk a little bit about the industries in there. And I'll tell you, one of my, my favorite foods on the planet is the papusa which is El Salvador's answer to the arepa and the burrito and a couple other things. But papusas are numero uno, primera para mí. So is papusa an industry down there or what are some of the industries that we have? Certainly they're, they're exported nicely into the U.S., but let's talk about some of the key industries in El Salvador. Yes, I know. And I, I, I agree with that statement. And yes, actually, uh, agriculture is one of the traditional main sectors in El Salvador. But it's, as you mentioned, we do export pupusas mostly to our diaspora in the U.S. and Canada mostly. Even up to a third of El Salvador's population, it's composed of expats living in North America. And it's a very important market for those kind of products that we actually export them for those people that are actually missing them. But we, the traditional agriculture in El Salvador is consisting in exports in coffee and, and sugar. But we also have a, a light industry. Uh, we produce plastic products. Uh, we have a lot of clothing manufacturing that takes advantage of uh, the different trade agreements that El Salvador has signed, mainly with the U.S., which is the, the big market that a lot of companies take advantage of. And we also are seeing a growth in the services sector, also to take advantage of the U.S. market. And we have a lot of call centers and BPOs now. So those are the most important industries. We also see a lot of our GDP coming from remittances from the U.S.-based expats. And that actually promotes a lot of, of commerce within the country. So let's talk a bit about those companies from abroad, U.S. companies or European companies that are taking advantage of the El Salvadorian opportunity to bring labor, to bring agriculture, to bring their businesses down into your country. 
What are some of the key issues that employers need to know about when employing in El Salvador? Yeah, El Salvador has, I would say, very standard labor issues. It's not a jurisdiction that is particularly complicated to do business. We have formal requirements for all employers. They have to, to register before the Ministry of Labor as work centers, and they have to register as employers before the social security institutions, which in El Salvador, contrary to most countries in Central America, we have a separated instances for health, which is the Salvadoran Institute of Social Security. They cover the risks of, of health and, and accidents and, and maternity. And we also have private pension funds, which are mandatory. You have to register to them. And these are called pension funds administrators, and they are in charge of the pension system. They cover the risks of old age, of permanent inhabilitation to work, and of course, a death. So they, they have a pension for your family. We have not a big uh, union culture. There are most sectors in El Salvador are not unionized, and that is something important for companies to know. Most of the unions are in the construction sector and the public sector. Those are the main ones, just a bit of industry, but it is not at all generalized. And in terms of affirmative actions, we have a few rules about it. The main one that comes to mind is the obligation to hire one handicapped person for every 20 workers. That, that is something that is actually in the law. And it's important to know that we have an eight-hour day and 44-hour week for daytime work. And uh, for nighttime work, it is seven hours a day and 39 hours per week. The current uh, minimum wage, it is $365 per month. And that applies to the commercial and industrial sectors. And there is an exception with textile manufacturing, which historically have a lower minimum wage, currently of $354.36 per month. And we have, uh, contrary to other countries in the region, we do not have a mandatory periodical rise in the minimum wage. There is a national minimum wage council, which has the obligation to review, but not necessarily uh, raise the minimum wage every three years. Generally, the parties are free to employ themselves and to terminate those employers. In most cases, an employer can terminate the relationship. There is no just some exceptions for pregnant employees, for actually union directives, and for uh, people with chronic illnesses. But these chronic illnesses are especially qualified as the types of, of illnesses that cause a constant incapacitation to work. Those are the, the only employees that you cannot uh, lay off uh, freely. And in all other cases, you can do it. And of course, you can do it with a, a mutual agreement. So, Fernando, that's very interesting. And I understand there's been some significant changes in El Salvador in the last 12 months or so. Can you bring our audience up to speed on that? Yes, Peter. There are three major changes. And the, the most important and most significant, it's a really steep increase in the um, sanctions to most infractions to the labor code and uh, other labor laws that don't have special sanctions by as much as 75 times. These fines were basically nominal fines. They were the, the maximum fine was 5714. And now for companies with over 100 employees, the fine 
it's been increased to up to $4,380 per infraction. So that's something important to have in mind. Moreover, the Legislative Assembly issued on September a new law for the protection of breastfeeding, which ratifies all previous protection, but also introduces a new fine for employers that fail to install lactation rooms in accordance to the guidelines to be issued by the Ministry of Health. This new fine is of $18,250. So it's another risk that has to be taken into account. And finally, on June, the Legislative Assembly issued the Growing Together for the Integral Protection of First Infancy, Childhood and Adolescence Law, which includes a new regime for the employer's obligation to provide daycare rooms for their employees. This obligation applies to employers with 100 or more employees, and it's violation. It's punishable with a fine of up to $36,000. However, the law provides will only be enforced 18 months after the government introduces the necessary regulations, which are expected to be at least on January 2023. So they will have 18 months counted from then. So it sounds like a lot of changes down there. But yet, you know, we still have a big influx of business coming in and the the workforce is vibrant and there's lots of opportunity. But how would you describe the business climate, especially in light of the things you just told us about that happened in the last 12 months? Do you think that El Salvador is leaning more towards pro-business or is it leaning more towards the rights of the employee? What do you think, Fernando? Okay, El Salvador is kind of a middle ground country. We have certain aspects that are most certainly pro-business. For example, as I was telling you before, we have a a low rate of unionized employees. Unions are not quite active in in most industries. There is generally no impediment to lay off employees. And severance, and this is very particular for El Salvador, is severance pay is capped. For example, uh, we have a cap of four times the minimum wage for terminations without just cost. So no matter how much is the employee salary, The company is only obliged to pay four times the minimum wage. Uh, Right now, it would be uh, $440 per year of of service. And it doesn't matter if it's an executive that has a high salary, that is the the cap. So so that's definitely pro-business. Moreover, the way that the labor inspection works in El Salvador allows always a period. It grants periods to cure the violations without any penalty especially in terms of OSHA inspections, anything to do with occupational health. The Ministry of Labor is uh, always trying to improve the standards more than it's trying to to, to punish uh, employers. And we also have some uh, pro-employee aspects. For example, mostly in the judicial system, labor courts tend to protect employees And in most cases, it is uh, quite difficult for companies to lay off employees without severance, meaning to actually prove in court the existence of of a just cause for termination. Sometimes it can be quite difficult and the the courts tend to favor the employee. They tend to protect them. Also in the judicial system, the state uh, provides uh, free attorneys for employees. That is a pro-employee measure. And uh, as Finally, as I was telling you, uh, the increase in fines is, of course, a a pro-employee measure. So that does give us some balance between the pro-business and the pro-employee. Very interesting. Let's talk about travel. 
Because again, you mentioned a lot of expats that come from the U.S. that live in El Salvador, vice versa. Is immigration in El Salvador a difficult thing? Is it hard to get into the country, easy to get into the country? And any other special programs or things like that that you can share with our audience would be really helpful. Yes, in most cases, it is, I would say it's quite the standard for a country that does not generally has a lot of demand for foreign labor. Uh, the only sector that comes to mind constantly needs uh, seasonal workers is uh, sugarcane. When it's the time to collect the crop, uh, we do see a lot of Hondurans and, and Nicaraguans coming to El Salvador, taking advantage of our hard currency. And there are special programs to have them brought over. But in most cases, El Salvador is very open for, for business and it only requires that the person that is trying to work here has a sponsored company. If they have an employment agreement or even independent contractor agreement with a Salvadoran company, the only other uh, important uh, requisite is they have to have a, a clean sheet as a criminal record. That's important. Other than that, there is not uh, much impediment for foreign persons to come work to El Salvador. There are quotas to meet, though, to, of Salvadoran labor. Central Americans count as Salvadorans, but 90% of the employees of a company have to be Salvadoran. However, there are many exceptions. If it's a very specialized labor, you can get a special permit from the Ministry of Labor, which is not commonly denied. And it's important that we have a lot of, of business opportunities. We are very welcoming of foreign investments, and we have at least three main tax exemption regimes, basically aimed to generate employment, which is the free zone law, which is export to uh, its tax exemption for export-oriented manufacturing. And this takes a lot of uh, advantage of our free trade agreements. Moreover, as I mentioned before, we, we talked about call centers and BPOs. We also have um, the international service law, which covers, brings tax exemption to this type of investments. And the third one is renewable energy investments. Those are generally covered with it by tax exemptions. And those are, uh, I would say, very interesting cross-border business opportunities. And we see a lot of foreign investment in those areas. Well, this has been a very interesting discussion, Fernando. Thanks for sharing so much about El Salvador, its culture, its business, its opportunities, and especially the papusas. So we really appreciate that. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Peter. If you'd like to connect with Fernando, you can find his bio by clicking on his name in the description of this podcast. Also visit ela.law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to on-demand content from the online library, or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks for listening.